Clancy Pasta presents I Need Help Identifying, an episode of Scooby-Doo, written by Joshua Andrew, 1985. I didn't watch the whole thing, but had put on the show for my kids to watch on Netflix. They watched two to three episodes at a time, so the episode in question had autoplayed after the previous one had finished. With that said, it was an episode where Scooby and Shaggy won a trip to Munchville, Ohio to visit the Scooby Snack Factory. I'd been paying attention to that plot point because it seemed like they had just watched a similar episode the week before. Oh, I guess I should mention that these weren't the old Scooby-Doo's that I grew up with, but one of the updated shows from the early 2000s. Either way, the end of this episode was genuinely terrifying, and I want some answers. I wasn't really paying attention to the opening, but that catchy theme song seemed just the same as always. Really nothing struck me as out of the ordinary at first. Because we had recently seen the same plot, I did notice when things diverged wildly. In this one, the gang wins a trip to the factory because Shaggy opens a box and pours out a single box-sized and shaped Scooby Snack. This wasn't part of some contest though, they just tweet about it and it goes viral. Then the gang is contacted by the owner and given a chance to tour the factory. This confused me, because they were acting like they had never been there, and I thought this series came out before tweeting was a thing. Also, there was a long pause as everyone just sat there and watched Shaggy holding the Scooby Snack box upside down. The snack inside took forever to slide out, and no one moves a muscle during this time. They don't even blink, which made it a little unnerving to me. I thought this kind of delayed response humor was a newer trend, too. Either way, the gang makes it to the factory where they are introduced to several workers, shift foremen, and food scientists. This was honestly just boring. No one's name was a pun or seemed to have any wacky character traits. They just seemed like regular, normal people. So I checked out and started browsing Reddit. Until I saw the first body. The art style was still very much cartoony, but I snapped out of my front page trance when I saw blood and a ribcage out of the corner of my eye. According to my kids, this was actually the second body. Somehow I had completely missed an earlier murder of a random worker among other plot points. I was disgusted of course and shooed my kids out to go play in their room. The camera was lingering on the remains when I returned to turn off the TV. That's when I noticed the orange ascot. This actually made me feel a little better despite the gore being displayed in what was supposed to be a kid's show. They wouldn't, couldn't kill off Fred, the leader of Mystery Inc. after all. Plus, as soon as I realized that it was supposed to be his body, the scene changed to Velma on all fours looking for her glasses. I immediately doubted what I had seen, and slowly sat down on the couch to see where this was all going. I thought Fred would come back into it and reveal he had faked his death to throw off the villain of the week. But first, I watched Velma find her glasses, and then reconnect with Daphne. Then the scene switched again to Shaggy and Scooby eating in a kitchen. This was good, and was what I expected from my Scooby-Doo. Then Shaggy offered Scooby a comically large sandwich but the dog turned it down and mimed being full. With genuine worry, 
Shaggy offered a special purple Scooby snack instead. From the dialogue and context clues, I figured out that this was an experimental treat that the two had swiped from the food scientist earlier in the episode. Then we went back to Velma and Daphne getting lost in a maze of doors. This looked similar to that old gag of the gang being chased in one door and out another, over and over again. But they just walked by, in no hurry since nothing was chasing them. I realized that we hadn't seen any sign of a monster yet, another oddity of this show. However, they entered a door and found Scooby with an oversized stomach and purple stars in his eyes. Shaggy's arm was the only part of his visible from under a small mountain of Scooby snacks. Velma tried dragging him out, but of course only pulled out the disembodied arm. Even expecting it, I was surprised by the blood that poured out and sight of shattered bone that protruded from the limb. Daphne screamed, which snapped Scooby's eyes to normal, and he leapt onto all fours. There was nothing to do but be questioned by Velma, still waving around Shaggy's arm. I laughed in spite of myself. This had no place in a kid's show, but it was funny in a morbid way. Scooby didn't seem concerned about the horrible mauling that had happened to his friend, so a part of me still suspected they had been in another faked death. Velma accused Scooby of eating Fred and Shaggy while under the effects of the strange Scooby snacks. This also made me feel a little better about the show. There was almost always some super obvious suspect that turned out to be a red herring. There was no way Scooby-Doo could turn out to be the murderer, if any murders had actually occurred. And then Scooby ate Daphne. After being accused by Velma, Scooby ate some more of the purple snacks in front of her to prove he wasn't a monster, but with more purple stars in his eyes, he turned around and snapped at Daphne. She jerked her hand back, but was missing her index finger. Scooby smiled, revealing her finger in between his sharp teeth. Then he gulped it down and tackled Daphne to the ground. While he ripped and tore her face away, Velma ran and got two security guards. Altogether, they managed to wrestle a foaming Scooby away. He still had Daphne's intestines clamped tight in his jaws. Daphne, somehow still alive, made a horrible moaning sound as Scooby was led away, pulling more and more of her guts from a gaping wound on her stomach. I just sat there, frozen at the horribleness of it all. There was no way Daphne had been faking it. But just as I started to turn the TV off, Velma said, All right, let's see who has really been behind this all along. I sat at the edge of my seat with one hand on the TV remote and another covering my mouth. I had to see where they had been going with this. Velma slowly put her hand on Scooby's head while he growled at her and strained at the security guard still holding him. Then she dropped her hand just as slowly to his blue collar. She started tugging, harder and harder until she got a good grip around a layer of fur and pulled it upwards to reveal what was hidden underneath. I gasped when I saw my own features. Under Scooby's mask was my head. It looked as confused as I felt, and I realized it turned as I turned. I closed one eye and watched myself close the same eye on the screen. 
Before my shock had really even set in, Velma interrupted with, Oh, but let's see what's under that. As she pulled at the neck on the TV, I felt like someone was scratching my own neck. Reflexively, I turned off the TV, and the feeling immediately subsided. I didn't turn it on again until my partner was by my side. I explained everything, but was met with skepticism. We couldn't find the episode in our continue watching list, or anywhere in the episode list. My kids are too young to be reliable eyewitnesses, because I could tell them I thought I heard a yeti outside, and they'd immediately tell me, Oh him? We've been playing with that yeti for hours. So, I'm trying to find anything out there that will prove I'm not going crazy. I do have one thing going in my favor there. Not even my partner could explain how I got these shallow cuts on my neck, almost like claw marks, right where I saw Velma grab at the neck on screen. Can you? Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>